Welcome back to the Attack Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Complex Board Game, Jay. Joined as always is my co-host, Childish Millennials, Z. How are we doing today, Z? Damn. You're like coming for him, Jack. Yeah, I mean, you're out for blood with that one. Hey, I cause it like I seize it. <laughs> Some of those board games, they're too complex. Oh. They're far too complex. If you go to like a game store, like anything that's cramming itself to be like a board game store, almost all the board games in there are nigh unplayable. <laughs> Oh yeah, there's the what? There's like one I can't remember its name, but it's like a space kind of board game, like sci-fi. Yeah, and like it takes like eight hours to play. Like it takes like days and days to play. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. Well, a lot of them are kind of near nighing like the complexity of like you know video games and shit, just without any of the automation that makes it easy. Yeah, like you have to do the math yourself. And it's like, well, we can't just spread this out over days and days because we're all playing it to here physically in person at this table. They're a bit crazy. Yeah. They're a bit much. I feel like they lose the lose the plot at a certain point. I, I don't even get how you would even explain it to someone to play. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know. It's, There's it's, nothing worse than explaining a board game to someone or having a board game explained to you. Yeah. Both things equally horrible and almost impossible. Well, the only thing worse than having a board game explained to you is isn't is not having a board game explained to you. And being told you'll just figure it out as as we play. As you play, you'll, you'll see. You'll get it. Will you never do? Will I? How sure are you of that? <laughs> they're just sure enough. Well, they're just sure enough that they'll win. <laughs> that they'll drag you along and they'll still win and they'll have fun, but you'll hate them forever. <laughs> Listen, I mean, Monopoly can be bad enough, and then like I don't know anything anything much more complex than like Settlers of Catan. Probably probably pump the brakes. You know, yeah, that's probably just enough. I'll just stick to card games. <laughs> even then, even then can't stand when someone tries to choose me a card game it's true. everyone everyone's got a card game you've never heard of they're like let's play grandma's left shoe you know like what the hell are you talking about like it's real or easy they're, or they're just like well this is rummy but i have i have 15 incomprehensible house rules oh yeah that that's i don't know yeah both of those are equally terrible because you have to change the way and it's like all right you can't use aces you have to like rip them in half when you find them it's like well how many aces are we supposed to have it's like we i bought more and it's it's just the worst thing you could ever think of. I saw I, th- I think I saw a meme of that recently. About games. It was like a TikTok, and it was like m- my friend explaining the most like <laughs> incomprehensible, like horrible, or, you know, war crime esque Uno house rules I've ever heard. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I've seen that. Like the stacking and stuff. Everybody's got different yeah. rules. You can stack a four on a four, but you can't stack a two on a four or a four on a two. But you can do a reverse into a four into a reverse into a two. Now that's crazy. Oh, oh okay. I, I, I can kind of get behind the on, giving, like only stacking plus fours on plus fours and plus fours on plus twos because it's like a same card thing. But stacking a reverse into a plus four into a reverse into a plus four. I mean, I'm just, I was just making shit up, but. But someone probably plays like that, and they're insane. Oh, for doing oh almost, almost assuredly. I, I, I don't know. Listen, usually this might be controversial. Usually, the the rules that come with it do a pretty good job. I would agree. If you had to add too much, then you you might be getting away from the the whole point here. The spirit of it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we just don't like games, Jack. I think I'm getting to that point. I don't like playing with other people. <laughs> maybe we're just not games. I'm not a games guy. I think you know maybe it's maybe it's not them. It's me. Maybe it's me on this one, guys. Because I played Uno recently, and I was just like, "What even is this? <sighs> this is just a game." Listen, listen. This is just a us thing, maybe. But like, Uno's not much of a game, huh? Yeah, I don't love Uno. It's just colors. It's just like, it's, can we match the colors? Listen, it's kind of for children, no? It is fun playing oh, Uno with a colorblind friend. Oh yeah. <laughs> How colorblind do you have to be? You can't tell though. 
I'd say fair. Right, here's, like a, here's, here's a hot take. No, here's a very hot take, Jack. Okay. Are they not hamming it up just a bit? The, 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 colorblind, the colorblind folk among us. Oh, that's... Because here's the thing. I'm not saying that necessarily they can distinguish. Maybe you're colorblind enough that you can't tell which color they're all supposed to be. But can't you tell which ones match? You know what I mean? I think... Or it's like, surely the red one on the pile looks like the red ones in your hands. And so you'd know. Oh, so they're, they're distinct enough. They maybe you're not getting the exact colors, but you know there's four colors. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I think it does work like that. I think they because my friend can my friend can play along, but I remember I yelled at him that a color didn't quite match or something, and then he yelled uh-huh. back at me that it was colorblind. So I think also lighting I think can screw him up. Yeah. Because I think if they're I'm just saying like I know they don't all see in grayscale, right? right yeah. We're not all walking around in black and white, so. I found it, Jack. It's me listening to my bro explain his Uno house rules. Never in my life have I been exposed to such anarchy. <laughs> Even a resident taken out of Arkham Asylum could make more humane and playable <laughs> rules. If these are official, Uno itself would be banned in 78 countries. A World War II veteran might experience shell shock if they tried these rules on game night. That's funny. There it is. Yeah, I don't think we're games people. <laughs> Maybe <I'm> like, <laughs> not games people. We're not games people. And that's alright. And that's alright. Alright, Jack. This week we have very big happening for the show here the arguably the star wars event of the year uh especially because the mandalorian season three was no good it was no good so it's not we that didn't happen <laughs> so here it is it's ahsoka two episode premiere of ahsoka the ahsoka show Woo! rebel sequel maybe kind of rebel season five in all but name and listen i'm here for that i've never had a problem with that i mean we've talked about it we've done it to death we don't need to belabor this point again but it's like could this should this maybe just be a cartoon as well maybe why but whatever fine or past that here point. it is it's ahsoka um so as we knew from ahsoka's appearance in well the mandalorian season two she's been looking for thrawn and that's kind of what this show is all centering around is that she's looking for thrawn we know from the mandalorian season three that other imperial holdouts and whatnot are listen- looking for thrawn and uh we gotta find him yeah they gotta find and, this uh, map they need to get Yes, there's cl- classically in 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 common common enough Star Wars fashion. There's a map, and you know, of course, Ahsoka ends up you know relying on her friends, which you know naturally her friends are the people that we've seen her interact with prior, mm-hmm. the Rebels crew, and it's and that's and that's what it is. It's Rebels season five. They're all here. Well, most of them are here. Two of them, a are good here. number. Two of them are here so far. Oh, three. Chopper's a person. That's well, half a person. We'll call him half. No, Chopper's a person. No, he's a droid. No, he's a droid. <laughs> Droids are people too. Mm-mm. Those damn clankers. Only if they look like people are they kind of people. <laughs> and they speak English. Yeah, those astromechs that beep and boop, they're nothing to me. Chopper basically speaks English though. That's true, he does. Love Chopper. Uh, he looked good. I liked how he looked in this. In this oh, he's great. Second episode. So we start with something that's completely new for a Star Wars show, right? Which is an opening crawl. Yeah. It's what cool is this? I liked it. Uh, it wasn't, it was. I think it was nice because it wasn't quite the original, so it wasn't like trying to like nostalgia, quote unquote nostalgia bait you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still like kind of kind of an homage thing. Yeah, and uh, I like the red. I think the red was a nice touch to d- distinguish it further. And I think it got like the point across. Like, kind of got you up to speed if you weren't quite like on the cutting edge of like up to date, up to date. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like you said, it's it's not quite one to one of like the movie ones, right? It's a little simpler. It obviously doesn't do the big, but um, yeah. and it's not like fading away off into the like distance like it does. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a little more toned down, but it's still a, it is a crawl. It's got the elements. We got all the the capitalization right, like the evil galactic empire. 
Grand New Republic, Admiral Grand Admiral Thrawn, Imperial Remnants. So, uh, and then we do the pan down into a big ship, which is often what it does. Um, oh, yeah. Super cool. I mean, this is a great opening, I think. So we see one of the new, new, new Republic ships. Uh, I don't, I don't know if we have enough. I think they mentioned in the next episode. I don't remember though. We're gonna have to commit this lore to memory. What these ships are called now, but <laughs> one of the new Republic ones. And uh, this is a scene we saw quite a bit of in the trailers, right? Where uh, we're introduced to two of our our main antagonists here. We're Balon right. and uh, what's her name? I think Shin. Shin. Yeah, it's Shin and Balon. Oh, they, they roll uh, up. They roll up and, and they like, use an old Jedi clearance code. The guy's like, Jedi, huh, let them on, call their bluff. It's like, should have done that, buddy. Should have just shot him if you could. <laughs> should have just shot him right out of the sky. Uh, and they're actually flying a shuttle, an old Jedi shuttle, which is really cool. Kind of like Ahsoka's. They, they both have different uh, Jedi shuttles from the Clone War era there. Uh, so that's a nice touch. And yeah, of course, it's yeah. the that line for the trailer is like, ah. Jokes on you, we aren't Jedi. Ha ha. It's like, yeah, that's what we, uh, we got. That's what we thought. We got our <laughs> pool. And they get everybody. They kill the whole ship and they get out uh, Morgan Elsbeth from The Mandalorian Season 2. Oh, yeah. I, I liked how um I thought it was, I like how they just make quick work of everyone. Like they just mow through all these people because, of course, they did, would because they're and that's they're, they're force users. So yeah, they're infinitely better. But their their movements were very like very not robotic, but very precise. Mm hmm. I thought was like cool to look at. Oh yeah, it's good. It's, I, I would say the car choreography in this show has been really good so far, fighting wise. And obviously, compared to any of the other shows, it's by far the most heavy on lightsaber combat. Um, but it oh, looks yeah. good because people criticize the lightsaber stuff in Obi Wan Kenobi pretty heavily. I think this has all been really good so far. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, so then we cut to Ahsoka at those ruins that we also saw a lot of in the trailer. I would say in general, like. A lot of the stuff we saw in the trailer has been dealt with in these first couple episodes here, which is always cool. Always a good sign. So we got a lot that we aren't aware of yet. Um, and she does a bit of tomb raiding here, right? Very Jedi Fallen right. Order kind of vibes, which I think is cool. We got Indiana Jones in. Yeah, very a little, very Indiana Jones. Golden orb. That's a map, kind of. Uh, we got these three, like you know, figures of some kind that we see repeated a lot. So we'll see what mm -hmm. that's about. And then we learn that this is maybe this is uh, later on. This is like a night sister uh, thing of some Temple. kind, which is neat. Fortress or something. Which I don't. Yeah. People were theorizing that from the trailer. I don't remember if, what the evidence was, but I, obviously they were right that Morgan Elsbeth is uh, or like descendant of the night sisters. At least it's not super clear yet, but right, yeah, she is like tied into that. And yeah, she gets her little map here. I would say this does right away kind of start one of the one of the problems that I have with the show a little bit hmm. um and it's it's been talked a about quite a bit here is is with ahsoka herself and uh i guess a little bit of her portrayal here and that there's a lot of well there's a lot of scenes where she's just kind of standing around silently <laughs> and this is like yeah. this scene in particular it's just a bit i feel like it just goes a little bit longer than it needs to of her like messing with all this stuff and, and opening things and, and getting the thing out because mm -hmm. it's like we get the point right um but yeah. it's just it's just drawn the pacing a little bit throughout the show leaves something to be desired. And again, uh, Rosario Dawson's portrayal here has been a matter of, of quite a bit of discourse. Of course, of course. Um, cause you got a lot of people who are like, Oh, this is great. Like she's brought, she's really brought Ahsoka to life. I've seen a lot of that. Like, Oh, I can't believe it. Thanks. Thanks for bringing her to life, Rosario. And I'm like, all right, listen, 
she's been Ahsoka for two years now. Like, what are we, three yeah. years now? Like, yeah, we can we can calm down a bit, but whatever. Um, and then you have other people who are like, she's she doesn't she doesn't feel like it, which is classic, right? Classic Star Wars fan dichotomy there, where half of them are like, she's nailed it. She's the perfect representation. Some people are like, she's not even close. Who is this person on my screen? She's an imposter. <laughs> so that's good. You know, no, no meeting in the middle of any kind. Yeah. Um, no, it's Star Wars fans. Not even a chance. So where do you do? Do you have an opinion on this? Where do you fall on this? Um, For their first standing around, I did notice that there's a lot of her just kind of like a beat too long of her just staring at a thing. It's like, yeah. all right, we could kind of move a little bit quicker. Uh, I don't, I, I, I don't mind for her performance. Performance finds Ahsoka. I never, any, I never had any problems with her in the Mandalorian or in the Book of Boba Fett. So, I think perhaps the difference, though, right? Obviously, neither of those was she the you know main character, and so yeah. obviously this show's going to demand a little bit more of her. Where in the Mandalorian, it makes a lot of sense for her to be this like she was this one off, you know, character. Like she's she was filling a particular role in the story where it made sense for her to be like a little bit aloof and, and kind of mysterious and unknowable in that way because that's yeah. how the Mandalorian would feel about her. It's like, ooh, who's this person? So we don't get to see much of her personality. Whereas for this show, again, she's the she's the main character, so we kind of we need that, right? Even some look into her psyche. So I don't know. I mean, and then there's obviously a lot of people who are saying like, well, she's a good actor. And Rosario Dawson is a good actor. Don't get me wrong. So it's like, I, I believe wholeheartedly that this is an intentional decision on her part and or on the part of like Dave Filoni like obviously mm -hmm. he knows this character right if there's one thing you can say about him it's that he knows Ahsoka obviously so yeah I assume it's all intentional I just don't know how you know enjoyable that decision is in practice here right yeah, yeah. seeing it writing it down is a lot different than having like a person doing it um and a lot of people are like well the Jedi Order fell and everything and this and that. I'm like, okay, but we we did see her after that, right? We saw her in Rebels, and she wasn't quite this serious. I don't know. I got I got mm -hmm. some takes, if you're ready to hear them here. I, I can do some takes. So this guy goes, I generally don't understand the criticism that Ahsoka and Hera are too stoic. One is a Jedi Master, and the other is General. Uh, I assume he means a General. Uh, those positions demand well-experienced individuals. If that makes them stoic, so be it. Uh... I, first of all, I didn't really. I don't have any complaints about Hera, really. Yeah, in, I didn't that think way. Hera was like emotion, like over, like I think she's very, she's much more like full of emotion than Ahsoka is. Absolutely, I totally agree. She's not necessarily like she wasn't necessarily cracking a bunch of jokes. Well, even then, no, I yeah, I I just don't feel that at all. She was lighthearted enough and very much yeah, like the the emotional core of these episodes. So mm -hmm. I don't have that problem at all. But for Ahsoka, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> That's weird, right? It's a weird way to frame it to be like, if that the, those positions demand well-experienced individuals, if that makes them stoic, so be it. Um, except they're just they're just characters, my guy, right? Like that's weird. Yeah, you can just write them however you want. <laughs> they're not. Yeah, come on. Um, and now I I will say in in this thread he gets into it and and other people respond and I do think that there's there's a slight danger perhaps of falling into some kind of like uh like gendered tropes I guess when you're talking about these characters, right? Mm -hmm. Um. And I mean, it's the thing that happens in fiction and in the real world, right? Where anytime a, a woman character is like serious or needs to be like, you know, a voice of reason kind of thing, then she's like written off by certain people as like, oh, she's she's like, you know, this emotionless bitch or whatever, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, that happens. And uh, I, probably like the very most famous example of this is in Breaking Bad, right? Mm. Where Skylar is ultimately a 
pretty reasonable human being throughout that whole show and she has this reputation among certain people as being like the worst character ever right because she she wasn't her (laughs) cool with uh her husband becoming a drug lord yeah she wasn't completely on board with unequivocally her husband becoming a drug kingpin um so stuff like that definitely happens and i'm sure that there is a component of that at play in in some people's interpretation of this show but i don't know i feel like there's also a danger of going too far the other way right of being like well and again this is also backed up by like real world stereotypes and things unfortunately so i get it but like for a woman to be taken seriously she has to act completely serious at all times because otherwise she she doesn't get the respect she deserves kind of thing right yeah so i get that too it's it's it seems like it's it is probably very complicated to navigate this but i just i do feel like in the rebels and stuff. Ahsoka was just a little bit more. She still had the gleam in her eye, kind of thing. Yeah, like yeah. She still was doing some jokes and stuff. And now, obviously, things have happened since then. And maybe we will get more of like what exactly has gone on in the in the intervening years because it has been like ten years since then, even right. Even yeah. So right. Um. And like, obviously, the last time we saw her really was she was going through something that was pretty traumatic in and of itself. And it's likely that her experience with Vader there has probably informed her her you know character going forward but i don't know i i would like to see a little bit more just yeah. a little bit more out of her i don't know <coughs> she hasn't done a single joke yeah not really a thing just, just a lot of like looks a lot of staring She's, a lot of standing yeah she can be very i don't know almost she is approaching almost like deadpan in a lot of the delivery here mm-hmm. and the big a lot of people point out the cross arms thing um as like being a very particular yeah mannerism that she's doing and people point out that throughout her appearances um She's been depicted doing that a lot, right? The cross arm things throughout Rebels and the Clone Wars. But I just think, I feel like not quite this much, right? I mean, that's like her default no, pose yeah. here, and it might be a bit they much. Cross her arms very slowly and awkwardly in the first episode. And like I noticed it because it looked like very stilted. Like there were big skewering her arms moving as freely. And I was like, why would they? Why do they keep a scene where she crosses her arms in? Surely you don't need that scene. Just a scene of her not saying a word, and only her in frame, just crossing her arms kind of slowly. Uh, so here I have some responses. This person said, uh, yeah, I agree. Plus they are women. It's a lose-lose situation when it comes to characters showing too much slash not enough emotion, honestly, which again, I, I totally get. Uh, but then this person said, pretty sure that's the main reason for the criticism. No one complained about Old Ben or Qui-Gon being stoic. And I would argue still that e- even in those cases, right, where it's like, yeah, like obviously old Ben in, in the original trilogy was, was much more stoic and stuff. He still had a little bit more levity than jovial. Yeah. Than she's shown so far. Right. There's no, like, of course I know him. He's me. <laughs> like there's none yeah, of that in Ahsoka like, yet. None of that like run around. Yeah. So I don't know. But again, I do get that, that like she's in, and Dave Filoni has talked about this. She's meant to very much inhabit the role of a Jedi master now. And, and, and all that entails. So like, she has to be this more serious, more, you know, uh, I guess reserved kind of character, but we'll see. And I'm sure, obviously, as shows go, we often try to remind people of this, right? That like things can change and characters yeah. evolve because that's kind of how the whole point is. Stories go. So, and I think the Dave Filoni Ahsoka show. I think I think we can bet that she's gonna change. I would think so. Yeah, I mean, he's not. Um, but then this guy kind of feeds on what I was saying, where he says, well, they like weren't always like this. The live-action show zapped all the life and charisma out of both of them. Luke, Obi-Wan, and Anakin were Jedi Masters. Two of them generals themselves, and none of them were ever this stoic. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, for this guy to be like, well, she's a Jedi Master, and, and Hera's a general, so of course they have to be like this. And it's like, Obi-Wan Kenobi was a Jedi Master and a general during the Clone Wars, and he was like the sassiest motherfucker you've ever seen, right? Yeah, like, he sacked it up. 
he's a goddamn sass queen over there like so to be like oh she's a, and again i think that perhaps really does like reflect the differences between men and women that yes a woman can't be taken seriously and respected and also still be, be like funny or whatever sometimes so i get that but again i really didn't have the problem as much with Hera. um i don't know it's tough i mean it's 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 something we've been talking about in the whole lead up to this right the uh that these these actors kind of all have like you know some boots to fill right in terms of like inhabiting these roles that have you know been inhabited for in the for at least right in in most cases like four seasons of a show if not like you know when you're talking about ahsoka like what at 10, 11 seasons of tv right portrayed, oh yeah portrayed Just by a different actor. so it's tough but uh overall i think everyone's doing a good job so far oh yeah for sure one thing one line i didn't love i th- but I th- obviously i think this maybe is a point is when Hera's talking i think it's in the first episode to ahsoka and she's like ah sabine's acting all like sabine about something don't worry it's fine she acts like this you were probably like this to your master i assume yeah she's like my master never got to finish my training i left him and the order and then everything went awful and Hera's just kind of standing there it's like okay dude whatever what, what would that what was that about it's like that's not at all what she was trying to say and it felt like it's a good point yeah it was just like you felt like she just said that to like win but like well actually my master never finished my training it's like yeah but what about what about before then there were like years before you got kicked out for maybe bombing the jedi temple because Hera's right Hera's of course completely yeah. right in that one right she's, yeah she's nailed it and i think that's a, later on there's another line that i want to talk about which is a, a very similar thing where i think jedi tend to be hypocrites <laughs> Oh when yeah, they, get old. they love being hypocrites when they get old, especially. So I think this is you know par for the course for them. But yeah, she's she's nailed it with that one, right? And I think I do think the intention there is that Ahsoka's relationship with Anakin is going to be um, kind of central to this her her character in this show, and and you know how that informs her decisions and stuff. We even saw that in her introduction in uh, the Mandalorian season two, there, right, where she was hesitant to train Grogu because of her experience with Anakin. She's like, well the dark side man <laughs> I yeah, really fucked up really fucked up my uh my master i was real i was real keen on him and they really got him they got his ass so but yeah that's a that's a good one i thought the same thing i was like yes you were notably like the most difficult jedi padawan that's ever lived <laughs> yeah you were so difficult that they you basically had to have two masters one you obi-wan was also kind of your master so like pick <laughs> you really think about it because like you also listen to obi-wan because he's always around anakin because he was still teaching anakin oh yeah she's, she's also yeah, anakin force goes so I'm calling it. All the before, uh-huh. way back. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm predicting. I, I, I'm thinking Hayden Christensen Force Ghost, and I think that'll be pretty cool. It's been rumored. Um, yeah. Uh, well, it's been rumored for a long time, if not, well, not outright confirmed, by, but like rumored by seemingly relatively reliable sources that yeah. he's in this show in some form or fashion. So whether that amounts to a flashback or a, yeah, like a Force Ghost thing, Force Ghost, as up to anyone's interpretation. Have we talked about in some of the recent TV spots, there has been new recorded dialogue um like re-recorded dialogue from the clone wars that hayden christensen has done oh i i don't think we talked about i haven't seen this so it's like it, it would kind of fly under the radar for most people right but it's it's lines it's quotes from the clone wars that were obviously originally performed by matt lanter that have then been re-recorded at some at some point right by hayden christensen and made their way into these um some of these tv spots TV so spot. that obviously means he was around some i mean you never know like that could have just been when he was doing obi-wan kind of thing oh, right right yeah but still it, it's interesting if nothing else yeah and not and i know in one of the more recent trailers they they talk about him balon talks about yeah, yeah. the scene where he's talking about anakin to her so. yeah anakin spoke highly of you or whatever yeah 
Uh, so then we, we have the meetup with Ahsoka and Hera, though, to get back to the thing here, right? And she's like, look at these Jedi guys. What do you think? And she's like, hmm. Again, this is another, like, scene where it's just like, she's like, what do you think? And then Ahsoka, I just feel like she's silent for too long, just, like, staring, and is like, maybe. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> cool. It's like, I don't know, man. They got lightsabers and a braid. Yeah. Seems like they're Jedi. Or at least, they're very close. Closer than Sith are. Yeah, yeah. And then she tells her, she's like, all right, I uh, got this map. Hopefully, you can get Thrawn. And she's like, you think Thrawn's alive? I thought we all thought all the you know grand animals were dead. And she's like, no. And she's like, well, you know, she takes that, obviously, the to its natural conclusion of like, well, if Thrawn's alive, could Ezra? And she's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe. I'll never tell. She's got a fun line here I enjoy where she's where Ahsoka's like giving her this ring around. And she's like, it's never a straight line with you, Jedi, is it? Because <laughs> nice, right, they can't open the map. They're like, we don't have the key to open the map yet. Yeah. When she's, when she's warmed my heart. Oh, yeah. That's good. She's talking about her dead boyfriend or whatever. <laughs> Your dead baby daddy. Dead baby daddy. Uh, but yeah, good for her. I miss him. Miss Kanan and the boys. Miss him every day. But that's the that's the move here that we're building towards. Um, So then we cut to Lothal because Hera's like, well, you obviously should go ask Sabine. And she's like, oh, Sabine's mad at me. Which again shows a bit of a lack of like, I don't know, maturity on Ahsoka's part. Yeah. Ironically, right? Which she's like, well, I don't know if I want to talk to Sabine. And Hera's like, well, obviously, she, if it was for Ezra, she would obviously help you. Yeah, she, her friend, her very close <laughs> friend, maybe she's in love with. So maybe go talk to her, huh? Uh, so we cut to Lafal, and this is a fun cameo that I did not expect. Yeah, um, is we have uh, Clancy Brown as Ryder Azadi, who is once again governor of Lafal, which. It's like a perfect, like, makes total sense, right? Mm -hmm. um, and this is one of the ones where, like, I've seen some reviews for this show, which are like, oh, there's too much references. Everything's a reference, right? I don't know, man. I don't know how I feel about that. Because on the one hand, I get it. Like, it's pretty reference heavy, like a lot of the Star Wars shows. But on the other hand, at, like, this is not one. But listen, all, all the Rebels characters are in this show, right? Right. That's not really a reference. That's the point, right? They're the main characters of the show. Like, you're allowed to make stories about pre-existing characters, right? Yeah. If you want to say, like, they should be making more about not existing characters, that's fine. But also, I don't think that's, like, a point against them. Is to no, be like, yeah. ooh, why are you making a show about Ahsoka and Sabine or whatever? And then ones like these, right? Like, this just makes perfect sense. I don't know. Like, yeah. we're on Lethal. We're having a celebration. Why wouldn't the governor be there? We have this pre-existing character who is literally the governor of Lethal, who is portrayed by, like, an actor that we can just get back to do it. Yeah, and a screen and voice actor. Seems to make sense to me, right? Yeah. And it's not even that super big of a reference because he's not that important. That's he just what I'm has saying. To be a guy. Again, it's just, it makes perfect sense within the context of the show. So I don't, unless you were hi being hypersensitive to it, I don't see why this would stand out at all, right? Right. Like to a, to a completely uninitiated viewer, they'd just be like, ah, this is like the governor guy or, or whatever he is, right? You'd just be like, mm. here he is at this celebration. You wouldn't, I, I don't know. I don't think you'd be like, ah, clearly a reference. You'd just be like, this is a dude. Who's, who's doing that it's thing. an important person who's at some event that he would be at i don't know it seems to make perfect sense yeah and then maybe like more so to that argument is that um he then introduces the senator who's jai kel did you catch this i saw I, I saw his name but i didn't yeah so when they so he's like stalling for time he's like get out there and say something that guy's jai kel who is one of the cadets um in the the cadet episode with ezra in season one He's the one who's voiced by um, Zuko, Dante. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. Which, again, is like, on the one hand, it's like, oh, is that a, a bit of a reference, huh? But it's also like, well, I just feel like that it just works. Like, just a person. 
it doesn't stand person's out. Name. Yeah, it's just a person's name who is the senator, and he's there. Yeah, it's one of those things that you'd only know was a reference if you are if you because it's for you. And that's how Easter like, eggs should be, right? That's what yeah, the definition so is. Fun. Like, yes, people have gotten like maybe too sensitive to them lately because there has been a, this like trend of Easter eggs that are not Easter eggs at all. They're just like here's this thing I'm beating you over the head with, right? Yeah, here's the thing I keep showing you over and over again. But I don't think I don't think this was that. No. Um, so they're like waiting for Sabine to show up to the celebration, which is at least in part for her. And she's like, ah, I'm not into that because you know, you know, she's a rebel. It said that she was right there, and then she dipped. Yeah, she dipped right out. I was like, why? But why would she even show up? Because it's more lit. dramatic. I don't know. It's funny. I guess. I guess she's. I guess she's pretty dramatic. Um, and I think this this sort of like you know plays to her character here, and then the state she's at at the moment as well, which is like pretty aimless, right? Mm-hmm. Because obviously we know that she she feels very like she clearly took Ezra's like request seriously and wanted to protect Lethal in his absence, all. But the thing is, right, the war's been over for five years now, and she still just lives here doing nothing, right? And I think we're supposed to, like, really kind of, you know, take note of that, that she's, like, aimless and doesn't seem to really have a place to belong. Yeah, just kind of lives and has her weird loth cat. That's a cool puppet. I like the puppet. That's good, yeah. Uh, But she's, like, you know, she didn't succeed as a Jedi, as we come to find out, and she's not really doing that, Mm -hmm. and, like, she hasn't really embraced being a Mandalorian again, whatever that would be, you know, especially because given all the lore that we've kind of constructed here now, right, we would know that since the time that she's been hiding out on Lothal, the revolution on Mandalore failed and was crushed, right? Yeah, and then I have a thousand tears happened. So she should be like, she's probably pretty upset about that. Like, she's got a lot going on and and now she, like, probably doesn't really know where to fit in, especially because as we come to find out, she feels, like, rejected by by, uh, Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Um, so then we see the E-Wings, which are cool. Great scene. Yeah. Great inclusion. Very fun. They try to get her. She does a, she does a trick. She plays chicken with them. She kind of escapes underneath and goes off. And they let her go. Like, guy, oh, you beat us, Commander. Whatever. I don't care. Fly away. Uh, we see the recording of Ezra in its entirety. Um, what do we think of this, Jack? Um, thought it was fine. It looks kind of old. He does. <laughs> he looks, he looks well, because notably they... older. Because that's his act. That's, <laughs> that's the his actor act. playing him. Yeah, so playing him, like, as well, a, kinda, playing him as like a 30 year old and not as a 18 year old. Yeah, 18 year old. I was like, well, it's kind of going to have to be what it is. Yeah. But just the first time I couldn't tell, I was like, oh, it's Ezra. But then the second time when I'm looking more closely at him, I'm like, oh, yeah, he looks, that's a grown man. That's a grown man playing Ezra. Um, so in this, he says, he says, we're not really family, but you're like a sister to me. And this makes her, she gets a little chuckle out of this. What do we think? We've been, we've been on this train for a while about like what are where are they gonna go here? What direction are they taking the Sabine Ezra dynamic? D- do we think this gives any further ammunition one way or the other? I think she might got family zoned. <laughs> you think she got family zoned? I think so. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Maybe she's little, she's like I gotta get out of that family zone. I gotta find them. Change I mean that's, that's that's like the death. That's usually the the, the absolute death now, right? Well, like a brother to me. I mean, geez, oh, you might as well recover. take yourself off the board. <laughs> You're not recovering from that one, so no. She, if if he hits you with a, you're like a sister to me. That's it could be. I mean, I don't know. I'm still, I, I, I wouldn't definitively argue one way or the other. Until I feel like until they meet again, there's just no telling which direction. Yeah, absolutely. Because again, it's tough because people are going to be like, oh, well, it's Dave Filoni, and it's like, yeah, but Dave Filoni obviously was the was the driving creative force behind Rebels itself, right? Mm-hmm. And in that show, it wasn't clear, right? There's a still eternal debate, you know, 
eight years later about whether or not they were on that path or not in that show. So that's presumably just kind of continue towing that line until we get a definitive answer one way or the other. Oh yeah. Well, we'll get to it eventually, but I'm, mm. I'm, I think it'll, I think they might go in that direction. I mean, again, it's tough because for the first season or two, it's very explicit that he's like crushing on her hard and making all kind of references and, and jokes to that effect. Mm-hmm. And then he chills with it because he matures and is not like a such a dorky little teenager. And then they seem to actually like their relationship gets deeper as a result. But it's like, yeah, I mean, we've 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 done this stuff. But I still think there's a chance that like now that they're both well adults, right? They're both like yeah. into approaching thirty. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't like that dynamic couldn't change after a ten year absence. That's the other thing is like, you know, whatever. We'll see though. Uh, then we cut to the temple and they're like, we got the bad guys and they're like, look, it's fucked. They fucked the temple. Their assassin doors blew up. Does she got the map? Does she have or, the key or not? And they're like, well, we probably got to assume she's got the map, which was she doesn't. We got out. no map. Uh, so then Ahsoka shows up and she's like, you want to help me with this map? And then we're, we we got all this tension. Uh, and basically, as we come to learn across the course of these two episodes here, at some point after the epilogue of or not after the epilogue, but after the finale of Rebels, um, Ahsoka took Sabine on as like a Padawan. Mm. Um, but as we Definitely do get confirmed in the next episode here, right? She definitely does not have a notable affinity with the Force, right? Yeah. she. The David Tennant robot says that she, out of all the Padawan he's ever seen, because he's the lightsaber building robot, mm-hmm. or he's, he's A or the? The. the he's the lightsaber building robot. Mm-hmm. So he's been around for like thousands, 500, of, years. 600, thousands of years. Yeah. He's like, out of all the Padawan I've ever seen, all of them are better than you with the Force. <laughs> Every single one. You suck, dude. You blow. So that's... Like you were never going to... Because that was one of our questions going in, but that's been definitively pretty answered, which is interesting, actually, I think. I think it's it's more interesting in that, like, she was training and learning to be a Jedi, maybe, without the Force, the force which is kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Um, and clearly, she's vaguely proficient with the lightsaber, although we know she got at least some of that already from, from Kanan and stuff. The dark with. Yeah. yeah. But that's cool. Yeah. Uh, we get a little bit more also with um, David Tennant Robot when mm-hmm. they're in the building, because he runs a scan of their lightsabers, the Shin and Balons. He's like, never seen these lightsabers before, but or one of these lightsabers I've never seen. But they have both of them are very like they have a lot of things like old design motifs from like the old from the Jedi Order. Mm-hmm. And one of these is only one student like five hundred years who's ever made a weapon like this. And that was Balon, whatever his last name is. Yeah, and he and he disappeared after the Clone Wars, so it's probably him, and he probably got an apprentice. Who knows yeah. what they're doing? Because they, they got orange blades now. Oh yeah, which, I, which is interesting because I assume this Balin guy was a Jedi during the Clone Wars. He didn't have an orange blade when he started, or maybe right. he didn't. So what did what did he change? Where did he go? Oh yeah, how where did he get this crew? It's probably his cruiser that he's flying for all those years. Where did he get this apprentice? It's all very interesting. Oh, it's very interesting. I assume yeah, we'll definitely get more of him going forward here. But that's a relatively uh, somewhat common enough like trope. Um, in Star Wars mm-hmm. is like this this disappeared Jedi Master, especially in Legends, this popped up a ton where every week it seemed like Luke was encountering a new guy who was like, I was a Jedi during the Clone Wars, but then I became evil and I've been hiding for decades. I'm going to fight you. Um, including like people have talked about that. This guy is kind of uh, seems like he is filling, you know, in in the new canon version of the Thrawn saga, right? He's mm-hmm. fulfilling the role of um, 
Joris Sabayoth, who was like Thrawn's dark Jedi, uh, you know, partner, associate partner guy. Yeah. Um, and that's what he was explicitly called a dark Jedi, but that was because that was before they knew what the word Sith was. Um, but he also wasn't a Sith. He was just like a fallen Jedi, which is, it is distinct. Um, and that appears to be what he is obviously on this as well. Balin is, is some kind of, he's, he's fallen to, yeah. to whatever extent or, or another. He's gray. Um, no, he's not. Gray. He's just evil. Oh, I don't think he's very gray. No, that's true. He did use a force choke technique. He's just a bad guy. And he says he's not a Jedi, so. That's it. There you go. I guess that's fair. So Sabine sneaks off because he's like, I can't work in this shuttle. This upsets me because I used to live here and it didn't go well. So I'm going to go back to my house. And if, and she does it, of course, because she's smart and she's got an eye for this kind of stuff. Uh, Hera comes in as like the voice of reason. She's like, well, give her some space kind of thing. Which, again, this to me is like, I don't know. Hera seems pretty reasonable here. And like, yeah, she's yeah. she's doing her thing, right? Which is, she's always been kind of like the, I mean, it's like it was always said, right? She's like the team mom. Yeah. So given that kind of matronly voice of reason type advice is what she's always kind of done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially like she's, she's that, never been a stranger to like getting frustrated with the crew, right? Especially Sabine. She always kind of butts heads with Sabine. Just like a mom does, right? Yeah. She's their mom. She loves them. But, uh, you know, all the time in the episode, she's like, you guys are all idiots. I'm surrounded by idiots <laughs> who are making my life harder. <laughs> But in this one, she's like, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I really don't see why people say that Hera's too stoic because I feel like she's doing a good job yeah. to me. But yeah, I don't, I don't think she is. Uh, and then when she figures out the key, yeah. like three faces or whatever, she turns it a bunch and then, oh, it starts to levitate and makes a little map of the galaxy. And then it shows another galaxy and points a line to it. She's like, well, that's probably where, that's where Ezra and Thrawn are. So I guess I got it. So I'll give it back to Ahsoka. And then, because, uh, when their Shin is there, Shin shows up with her two assassin droids, and kind of kicks the shit out of her. Mm-hmm. They have a big lightsaber fight, but Shin obviously is an actual Jedi apprentice. She's got the thing, and she's actually trained. So she's kind of toying with her the whole time, and then kind of stabs her through the stomach when Ahsoka appears, and then kind of runs off. Yeah, and escapes with the map. This is cool. Again, I thought this was a good lightsaber fight. Um, Sabine does mm-hmm. hold her own pretty good, right? She she deals with the droids pretty well. Yeah, she gets the droids done, but then. Yeah, they have a pretty protracted fight here, but then it, this, as soon as Ahsoka shows up and it's like, she's got to go, it seems like... She yeah, she t- turns it up a little bit. Yeah, she yeah, she it. just ends it, which kind of seems to yeah, imply that she probably could have the whole time and was just kind of drawing it out. Uh, There's the one part where she just kind of flips her over her shoulder, like yeah, yeah. throws her into the air just to, just to like probably have fun or something. She seems like she's probably just testing herself kind of thing, as Sith apprentices are yeah. wont to do. Yeah, they, they love doing that. Sith apprentices. Um... Are you bothered by this? By her getting stabbed? Not too much. I thought she would like instantly die, but I'm like, oh, it's a lightsaber. Just kind of cauterize. Also, it was pretty. It was off. It was very off center, right? Yeah, it was like into her heart. People were like, oh, she got her, but it's like, yeah, I don't know. She like hit her in the side. That's a classic movie thing to survive. It's like a vaguely side wound. Yeah, it's like a harpoon <laughs> through the side. It's like, oh, I missed all your mushy organs. Like, somehow, somehow, I I don't have a problem with it. People are like, oh, how come in all these shows everyone gets stabbed in the stomach and lives? And I was like, I just don't care. It's just it's Star Wars, man. I don't know. We'd, we'd have there. a lot more dead characters. <laughs> yeah, what do you... I mean, come on. Also, they have Bacta and shit. She clearly is being... She has like a Bacta patch or uh, something. patch thing that seems to be doing it. I don't know. For all we know, off screen between episodes, they had her in like a tank. I, Bacta pretty much is heal anything juice. So... Yeah. Ouch. And Ahsoka was there immediately, right? Like she didn't... Yeah, she was literally the she was like second... as Shin ran away. So, you know, they would have got her attention as soon as she needed it. Um. So then we... Got the bad guys. 
meeting up with Elsbeth again, and they're like, this is the somehow the device we're going to use. Or somehow the map interfaces with this other different ruin on a different place. This big rock like, thing that wasn't built by Jedi or something. Should somehow all work together to show us the way we need to go. Uh, and... I don't know, this is all interesting. Like, clearly, this stuff isn't wasn't designed to get Thrawn, necessarily, as much as it's just Thrawn has ended up in a place that is only accessible through this method. Uh, right. But this stuff's all kind of neat, right? All this lore. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Like how it's like the, the overlap between, like, ancient ruins and, like, advanced technology. It's a bunch of stones, but it makes that, like, hol- holographic, like, map with all the lines and the circles and the mm-hmm. dash marks. Because even then, it was made by like you know, even though this is now ancient to them, right? It was still mm. created by a by a highly advanced you know spacefaring civilization. So yeah, probably whoever on those faces made it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Ahsoka goes and gets the last droid that was hanging out in Sabine's house, just waiting for her, I guess. <laughs> waiting for her to come back to get her. And Sabine gets the information out of it to know that it came from Corellia. So. Ahsoka and Hera pay a visit to Corellia, where their New Republic shipyards are located, because that's what they do there, is make ships. And they break down the old ships and make new ones out of it. Uh, Hera uh, has more advice for Sabine, because again, she's she's good at that. <laughs> she's like, thanks, Hera. Um, yeah, again, we see the whole ship, the, or the whole uh, map thing. That's cool. Um, so we get to Corellia. This is a lot of interesting stuff, I think. Um so the the guys working here is like giving them a tour around because they're like, well, let's see these facilities. He's like, oh, I promise, no issues here. And yeah, like, a single well, problem has ever happened. Why don't you let us see though? And they do. And like one of the things he talks about is how almost everyone who works here still uh, is the same people who worked here under the Empire. And they're like, is that an issue? And he's like, nah, it's fine. They're just normal folks, you know. They don't worry about it. Which I think is a really interesting bit of like lore. Um, yeah, just for this for the Star Wars universe, right? Because mm-hmm. that's just. That's just kind of true, right? It's it's like that in real, um, like re- regime changes, right? In in the real world all the time, like during like after World War II, right? The West German government couldn't just like get rid of anyone and everyone who worked for the Nazi government because you know they'd have nobody to run the government. They'd have nobody to run the government, so it's like you, you got to toe this line where it's like I don't know. I guess you're probably fine, right? Yeah. How how high? So what did you, where did you work? Like I mean, you were you were just a payroll. I, don't know, I guess you can still do payroll. You probably should just still do payroll. And it's this thing that, that happens. And then oftentimes in the real world, when they actually do go too far the other way, they try to like cut out all vestiges of the old regime. It ends up worse for them in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get like more like a Soviet Russia, or like a Maoist China. Yeah. Because, yeah. In West Germany or like Japan. Um, and it's sometimes, you know, the cause for like criticism right especially in like the u.s when it's like oh look we got all these nazi scientists because you know what hey they were nazis but they were good scientists don't you think and it's like is that okay or not and it's you know it's a matter of some debate but yeah i just think that's an interesting you know detail to work into star wars because that's obviously you know it is very much a metaphor the the whole like post um endor like fall of the empire kind of era i think is is you know a lot of ways a metaphor for like the reconstruction of of europe and stuff mm. or like you could kind of go both ways you could do world war one or two because obviously the rise of the, the first order first order is kind of like also a rise of like nazi nazi thing mm. you know because like the, the the republic demilitarizes too quickly kind of thing so yeah. but yeah i just thought that was interesting to tell and as it turns out they were kind of right because maybe some of them are still evil <laughs> yeah at least the people in that control room were um and it gets like so gets, sabine's like like a sheet i won't put it was like a hyperdrive that's gonna leave 
And they're like, yeah, yeah. Why, what are you putting that hyperdrive in? We have no ship that big that uses it. He's like, we're just going to tell you, General, but it's classified. <laughs> and she's like, what? I'm a general. What? Nothing's going to be classified to me. I'm like the highest ranking person here. He's like, shucks. Can't really do anything about that, that huh? And then they get a droid to do it. And the droid kind of reveals you know, that the assassin droid was here. And then they are like, for the Empire. And they all try to kill her. But then they all just... Yeah, they all pull guns. <laughs> but yeah, like, Ahsoka's all got lightsaber. lightsaber. Doesn't go well. So Ahsoka goes to face Marak, who's the new Inquisitor character. And Hera chases down the ship in the Phantom. This is another pretty good lightsaber fight, I think. Yeah. Ahsoka takes on the one of the droids. And yeah, Marak, this new Inquisitor guy. Um, Still very mysterious. He hasn't said anything yet. Yeah. What's, what does he look like? What's... I would, you know, I am on. I think I and I think I talked about this when we talked about the trailers and stuff. I have been mostly on the the side of like he's not anyone special, like he is just an inquisitor. Because why not, right? Yeah. But I feel like they are going out of their way to show so little about him. To like, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just a misdirect, just to kind of lead people on to think. But like, I don't know. You you know what I'm saying? Like the fact they haven't shown his face or like anything about him, or he hasn't spoken yet it kind of leads me to believe he is going to be, there is going to be some kind of reveal, but maybe not. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of notable that he has a name instead of just being whatever brother. Yeah. Like just a a number brother. Um, You know, at first I was like, is he a new inquisitor? I mean, when we saw very early stuff, it was like, is this a flashback to a different inquisitor? She fought, but obviously, you know, it's all in the same time frame here. So he's very much like, he's got to be the last inquisitor. Um, mm. And you can tell that, like, I think that's intentional based on his design. You can see, like, his armor's all rusty and, like, falling apart. Like, yeah. It doesn't look new and shiny or anything anymore. Um, so I would definitely say the intention is that he has probably been around since, like, you know, the, the Empire. And he's just been, like, lying low or whatever. Yeah, teaming up with these guys somehow. People have pointed out that his name is notable. Oh, God, I can't remember now what it is. Let me see if I can find it. It's something about, like, wolves. Because, you know. Oh, Dave Filoni. Yeah, definitely loves his wolves. I think. Oh, I think it's a thing from. Is it from like? It's something about. Okay, it is. It's from. I was gonna say. I think it's maybe Arthurian. It is a. He's a knight who uh, Morgan Le Fay turns into a wolf. I think. Oh. Which feels kind of poignant in that we have a witch character named Morgan in this show. <laughs> oh yes. Right. So that kind of. If- Seems I don't know, pretty on the nose there, there, yeah. Or maybe it wasn't actually Morgan. Maybe it says Irma. I don't know who Irma is. Sir Mark, the good knight, was betrayed with his wife, for he made him seven-year wolf. A quick seven-year wolf. That's not too bad. We've all, I mean, we all did seven years as a wolf. <laughs> French's Marak is an honorable knight who first serves Uther and then Arthur. For the former, he drives robbers, witches, and warlocks, and wolves from bed- Bedgrain, and then becomes its lord. When he joins Arthur in his continental wars, he designates Irma, a learned woman, to govern him. Oh, but she is of the council of Morgan Le Fay and proves to be a self-serving ruler who turns the land back to its former savagery. When Mark returns, Irma uses a spell to turn him into a wolf. I mean, there's something there, right? Yeah. Would you say? Maybe it's just, I mean, it could very well just be something as simple as Dave Filoni's like, well, I like wolves and that's a cool name or whatever, but I don't know. Obviously, the 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 like Star Wars interpretation of that here for for the purpose of this show would be somehow this is a character we know of who Morgan Elsbeth has managed to corrupt into a villain an inquisitor of some kind yeah somehow but I mean if that's the case right obviously the options are pretty limited mm. being pretty much Ezra as people have theorized for a while now or um 
That's about it. Someone said Kanan. That's terrible. Oh yeah, that, I would hate that. I was that was my first time. I was like, that'd be awful if they're just zombie Kanan, which I can't imagine Dave Filoni would ever do. And no. I've also seen Cal Kestis, which I don't. I saw someone say it's not even like um, practically possible because Respawn has to like allow the use of that character because it's he's their character still. Right. So, so like like you can't just be like, and he's in this. It's like well now we can't write the third game. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't know. I. I wouldn't like if it was Ezra. I really wouldn't. I'd said that to, since the beginning. I maybe it's not, but yeah, Ezra's supposed to be still with Thrawn, though. I feel like well, that's the thing, right? If if Ezra was there, then why is Thrawn gone? Not yeah. So Thrawn just sucks, I guess. Yeah. So I don't think so. Um, it's just maybe it's Brooklyn. It's just something to and maybe finally. finally. I mean, he obviously the thing that the other thing people have pointed out is that he looks very similar to the seventh brother, mm, right? Um just in design right with some notable like discrepancies um in that his he he has like you know five five fingers instead of like three or whatever yeah because the the seventh brother is a weird jarelian jango jumper or whatever that's a whole damn that's the whole name yeah i think so (laughs) one name that's the name of his species which is a bit much uh let me see let me see if i can find him oh no wait the seventh cyst oh it's i think it's the ninth brother isn't it He's that one who's only in one episode. In um, he's looking for Friday a mall. Oh no, that's a sister. What the fuck's he called? Is it the eighth? I'm whiffing it. My lore is failing me. <laughs> it is the eighth brother. So yeah, he he his design does look pretty reminiscent of the eighth brother. Um, but again, the eighth brother has like three fingers, not four or whatever, or or maybe it's four but not five. He's got like he's got like a thumb that goes both ways or whatever. Ooh. Get it? <laughs> yeah. But he's a Torellian Django jumper. That's the name of their species, which is a real mouthful. <laughs> yeah, too much. Just call him one of the. Just call him he's a Torellian. Some Torellia. So that's the only other prevailing theory, I guess. That's what I was thinking. I was like, he's got to be one of these old Inquisitors, right? Surely. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, we know almost every single one of them and where they end up, just numbers yeah. wise, right? So unless he's like the secret zero Inquisitor, Inquisitor zero, <laughs> that'd, and that'd be Star Killer, actually. Uh, then again, when they fight him in, in Twilight of the Apprentice, he's like, Canon is like, how many Inquisitors are there? And he's like, more than enough for you, even though we know lore-wise, he's one of like only three who are left. The that three who are on that planet. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I, I I think there is something to this, though. I Or maybe it truly is nothing. I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, no. I mean, it's hard to tell. Two episodes in, you can't really tell. Again, I feel like there's, there's too much of like a, a mystery being set up or... or here you know what i mean like it's it feels like they're wanting it to be mysterious mm-hmm. yeah. so that leads me to believe they're going to do something with it but again i also could just be reading too much into it and he's just a nameless faceless bad guy Possibly. but anyways they they um she has her fight but they get away and then Hera and, and chopper are able to track down and place the tracker on the the fleeing transport right yeah so they know where they gotta go and then sabine back on lafal is like you know what i am ready and um I guess it's one of those things where, like, her deciding she was ready is all it took to be ready. I guess because yeah. we have this thing earlier where Sabine or where Hera's like, sorry, Ahsoka is saying to Hera like, "Oh, she's not ready." Which again, I thought was very ironic because this harkens back to like every Jedi Master ever has said this, right? Mm, they always say they're not ready. Um, Anakin said this about Ahsoka, and Yoda said this about Luke, right? Um, that no one's ever ready, kind of thing. You know, again, I think the yeah. Jedi are kind of hypocrites. Because he says that, and then Obi-Wan's like, well, 
I, was I ready? Right. He's like, mm, he's too impatient. He's too reckless. And he's like, so was I Yoda. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> that's what happens to students. That's, how, that's why you need to teach them. That's the whole point. So it's kind of like that. Um, but I, I like the idea here that maybe what Sabine's uh, needs to do is like combine them, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that like maybe what's best for her is, is to forge her own kind of way. Like she's embracing both of them, right? She gets her armor out under the, from under the bed. She had like, and she has her Mulan moment where she's putting on the armor and she cuts her hair and she's like, you know what? I am ready. And Sabine's and then Ahsoka's like, yeah, actually you are. And she takes her back and she calls her Padawan and they're, they're ready to go. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a good time. Yeah. We get the repeat. Basically, this is the the remake of the uh, of the scene from the epilogue, right? Right. Yeah. They she goes to the mural where Ahsoka arrives to pick up Sabine, and in the in the epilogue, there the line is that like Ezra's out there somewhere. It's time to bring him home. So pretty fitting now. Yeah, we're gonna go get him. A very different Ahsoka, though. I feel between the ending of Rebels, like the epilogue in Rebels, and this ending. That mm -hmm. one, it, well, her her black her hair tails are different, but that's we've done that to death. True. Um, but like she's in like a very clean white, yes, with that staff. So it seems in that yes, moment, that, like, does. oh, Ahsoka's like she's a Jedi Master. She's like she's done all, she's done a lot of she's like found herself. Like she's at her most serene and tuned. She's like Yoda kind of level attunement. Yeah, and she's gonna help Sabine find Ezra. This one, not so much. No, not quite. She's in this dingy old gray thing. Yeah, but maybe that'll again. This is something she'll evolve into by the end. This this has been the, a matter of some discourse as well, though, Jack. I don't know if you're aware, but I'm not. People have been getting somewhat upset about the fact. So after um, the epilogue, right? That was dubbed by like fans as Ahsoka the White, because mm -hmm. and uh, especially with yeah the fact that she's coming around to this show wearing a gray robe the whole time. That seems very fitting, right? Like yeah, you know, she's Ahsoka the Gray versus Ahsoka the White kind of thing, and that's that is very much that dichotomy, right? Like Gandalf's trucking around in this, you know, dingy gray thing. And then all of a sudden he's like in this serene, you know, white robe when he's reborn. Um, obviously like, you know, it's, it's just kind of a stylistic change for the most part for the time mm -hmm. being. Right. Especially because the epilogue, I mean, it's such a brief little thing that was obviously just meant to kind of set up further stories. Um, but yeah, people, people have different people place more or less, uh, <laughs> you know weight into that and some people really were like why isn't she wearing white what is what is dave filoni doing does he even know his own lore what a silly thing to say but i think it's gonna i think, it I think it's gonna out. work i think the thing you observe there is is probably on on onto something that like yeah she isn't she isn't at that point yet in this show but maybe maybe by the end right like she, she could be kind of thing and yeah, they'll lose ezra a second time she's like all right we gotta go <laughs> we gotta go find him he's out there i i think he's out there because yeah, clearly she still has a little bit of her her own growing to do yet here. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting though. It is, but I I don't I don't I'm not worried too much about it about the lack of the white robe or or the weird big staff thing, yeah, whatever that I, does. I think we'll be all right. I think we'll be fine. Uh, and then we end with no, we don't end with that, but we see the big the the where that hyperdrive's going, which is this big Halo esque ring ship mm -hmm. to jettison them through the next galaxy. Yeah, it needs three big ass hyperdrives, all on it, I guess, to uh, give enough juice. Yeah, get get to a different galaxy, which is cool. I didn't, I didn't think this was interesting. No, um, I like Balon's like talking about Ahsoka and stuff, and she's like, "What are you all sentimental?" And he's like, "Well, there's there's really not any Jedi left. It's a shame. Like, I don't want to have to kill her, kind of thing." And she's like, "Oh, what are you sentimental?" He's like, "Yeah, it's just the it's truth. The truth. 
there's not that many left. It would be a shame to kill her just cause. Yeah, but. it's and he's got a lot, he's got. I mean, he's not had a bad line. He's a, I like him. He's a cool character. Oh yeah, he's doing great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. His actor passed away. It's, it's a real shame. Yeah, it's very unfortunate because yeah, he's doing great. He's he's a lot of people are saying like he's stealing most of the scenes he's in. I really do like him and and Shin. Their relationship. Shin's got that classic thing we were saying. Uh, all, you know, first time we saw her, just the crazy eyes. She's fucking off the. Off the goddamn rails. She's she's an absolute. Yeah, tech. he's <laughs> looking around, cutting people down. Always gonna give him a look. Like, oh, yeah. all right, master, what do we do? Like, what what are we gonna do? What do we get when we go to the new galaxy? He's like, don't worry, I got it all figured out. He seems to have like, I maybe maybe it's just his. He is his, he's a very good attune with the force as a Jedi. Because mm-hmm. Morgan mentions she's like, well, what do you see? She's like, Ahsoka's really she's in and out of the force, so I can't pin her down. But she's 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 coming for us. I can tell that much. So mm-hmm. we better get moving, get what getting's good. I think that's interesting. Yeah, and they have a, they have a very like classic master Padawan dynamic, mm-hmm. right? Which we don't uh, necessarily see as much with the the bad guys, right? Um, yeah, it's not like weird, and it's it seems like it's less. It's it's interesting because they're evil, but they're not. They're still yeah. doing Jedi stuff the Jedi way. Yeah, yeah. So in it's a lot of ways. not like the weird yeah. like I'm gonna have four apprentices and just kind of have them play against each other. It's like no, I got this mm-hmm. one with her braid, and we're gonna do it the right way. Yeah, it is interesting. I, I'm really curious to learn more about like what exactly his sort of philosophy is, like what what he's going for, why he's seemed to have yeah fallen more towards the dark side and fallen in with the Empire and stuff, right? Um, and again, he said he's no Jedi. Like, what exactly does that look like? Because again, as we've I, I'm I'm fond of pointing out, not being a Jedi doesn't make you a Sith, right? right. Being a Dark Force is not the same, and especially for this guy who's someone who yeah, he's clearly hanging on to some vestiges of that. He's someone who was trained as a Jedi. He was presumably even maybe a Jedi master even before it all crumbled, fell apart. Yeah. You know, he's not going to immediately like lose all of that overnight. He's, you know, yes, he's become something different here, but he's not, he's not a Sith Lord. He's just a, a fallen Jedi, which is distinct, right? Like yeah. there's a character in, in um, Jedi Fallen Order who's in a similar kind of boat. So yeah, it's interesting to see uh, what has led him to this and, and stuff and what his things about i mean obviously power i guess is part of it right because yeah he did say he's like well we're gonna get so much power it's gonna, it's gonna be, be great you're gonna love it yeah i don't think you know about power yet i have a great time um but yeah so that's that uh, this kind of leans lends some credence i feel like to to the thing i said a couple of weeks back when we were talking about the trailer or something which was like i think that we that like getting to thrawn and or ezra is not going to be like a season finale kind of thing but it'll right. be like the midpoint almost. And then we'll deal with like more of the fallout and see where this, where it goes from there. Cause like this thing seems almost done, right? They already got, they got, and the they map. know where to go. Yeah. yeah. So like Ahsoka in them, right. Say they get their next episode, but then like maybe we all, you know, get to the place and then, and then we're there and then we have Thrawn and Ezra and it's like, all right, what do we go now? Right. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine they're going to draw it out for too much longer here. Right. Right. Yeah. I think is it eight? Let's see, real quick. I thought it was nine. I feel like I heard somewhere it was nine. Eight. It is eight. Ooh, makes sense. Um, so yeah, we got six more episodes. I assume like I, I like the idea that it's gonna actually we'll get to Ahsoka or um to Ezra and, and Thrawn sooner rather than later. I mean, because we've even saw we've obviously seen Thrawn in the trailers and stuff, so he's gonna have some kind of role. He's not just gonna be a last episode stinger necessarily. Yeah. At least I hope. So um yeah. I'm excited, man. I overall I did really enjoy this. Absolutely. I don't know if it's quite as like transcendent as Andor necessarily, um, but I don't know. I feel like it's 
it's very Star Wars. I, th- I I didn't mention this yet, but like I think it looks really good. Right? Yeah, I like. I do. I I thought it looked very good. I liked all the ship designs. Like they look very clean. Yeah, it feels more cinematic in that way. Like yes, than most of the ones we've gotten so far. Right, more theatrical. Like big big locations, big ships, big you know, big everything. Like I thought Lothal looked great. The, the oh, capital yeah. city there. Um, yeah, obviously we're getting big ships. We haven't really gotten too much like ship to ship combat or anything crazy yet but i think it all looks sweet i think this this show looks yeah really good and um it's doing a lot of the star wars kind of stuff right Mm -hmm. you know the mandalorian with each passing season seems to almost feel smaller and smaller and and more confined to like you with the budget or the volume or whatever whereas this i didn't feel that um again i mean i understand people being like well this is in a lot of ways the most like referential kind of probably of all the shows thus far right this stands on its own the least yeah and i get that but i mean that's not a problem for me you know Is that... <laughs> i've seen this stuff i don't know sometimes you can write sequels to things that's how i feel yeah we talked about this in reference to like the mcu where people like have strong opinions one or the other about like oh you know how do you have to watch all this this and the other thing to to enjoy this and it's like yeah kind of i mean that's kind of a whole point <laughs> They're, really, the they're not like something. hiding that fact to you yeah exactly so i don't have a problem with that i like this again a lot of people i have seen some stuff to say like oh this is like the again this is the most it feels like everything's a reference and nothing is is just standing on its own kind of thing but um i'm a fan let's see let's real quick i'll bring up some reviews and we can be done or at least the ratings all right it's got the 73 percent on google 8.3 on imdb let's see where's the uh where's the rotten tomatoes jack we all uh, know that's the most important we need it. We got 89 critics, 81 audience. That's pretty good. That's solid. I mean, they both agree. So either way, our opinion is right. That's true. And the critics, the critics think it's better, and I think it's pretty good. So I'm, I'm, I'm smart like a smart critic, not like a dumb layman. Yeah, they don't know. They just see ref. They see Clancy Brown, and they go, "Ooh, best show ever." But I know. I do think it's interesting. I'm, I'm actually a little surprised that the critics like this better though than the than the fans. I would not have guessed that for this particular show. But, uh, no. Well, list certified fresh is certified fresh, baby. They don't ask how; they ask how many. Very bad writing, bad acting, mess story. Ivan Sakano looked cool though. One out of five. This is from Received Rotten Tomatoes. Well, I love reading those audience scores because it's just like the dumbest things you've ever read. This guy gave it half a star. He says it felt like a live action adaptation of a cartoon show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what? man. What? What? <laughs> That's what? like the point. That's the like costumes the whole... look ridiculous and more like a cosplay at a convention. Spoiler alert, when a character gets stabbed by a lightsaber and survives, then the show has become a cartoon. Lightsabers aren't like death sticks. <laughs> They're not yeah. like insta-kill rates. People survive lightsaber wounds often. Yeah, that's often. You just I mean they're scarred. I feel like almost as many characters have survived lightsaber attacks than have been killed by them. You know what's crazy? Remember that time in 2005? When Anakin Skywalker was hacked limb from limb on a lava planet and then burned on that lava planet and <laughs> melted and then came back to life. I think Sabine uh, taking a one right through the side in the away from all her mushy organs. I think she'll be all right. All right. I think it's pretty good. I'm very excited for the rest of it. Yeah, I'm going to cut it as well. So we can take out of that into Justified City Prime Episode 7. Uh, That's right. The cops are bad. Uh oh, cops are bad. Oh, it turns out cops are bad. The Detroit Detroit police crime? Oh no, Marshall Givens, no! Fuck! Your simple country ways. They've gotten the best of you again. But you used to see the coal. 
You just dig. You just dug coal, Raylan. Raylan, coal. Uh, Why did you have to dream of something bigger? <laughs> so after the last episode, uh, where he murdered those two people and uh, burned the bar down, it's like you know, it's rough stuff. Uh, everyone's that. everyone's upset about this. Uh, this Oklahoma City wild man's a bit of a wild man. Um, so break into her house. At the bar. The very first thing is we're at the bar. Oh right, yes. And we're like, this is upsetting. This is a tough time for everybody. And uh, they get the gun from uh, Sweetie's boyfriend. It's like, right. all right, well here's your gun. And he's like, ah, this is it. This is the, this is the ticket, right? I'll use this, and we'll we'll finally be able to put him away. We got some solid evidence. Uh, except the problem is that it doesn't actually have his fingerprints on it, which is tough. Yeah. I'm so like, well, we need to get fingerprints back on it so that we can use it as evidence, which is, well, it's a tough situation. Oh, actually, the very first scene was is a flashback to Sweetie and uh, Caroline when she was little, being like, look, this is a bar I'm going to get. It's going to be sweet. And then, of course, we have a hard cut to her standing there looking at the burned down remains of it with him dead inside. So, yeah, what is it? It's like her dad had died. He was a working yeah. man. They're like, the working man's a punk or whatever. They closed the plants. Because this is Detroit, and we used to make cars. We used to be a real country. We used no. to be a nation. Gary, Indiana. <laughs> oh, God. And then she uh, would get line when he's when it cuts to his burned down bar. That yeah, yeah. Working man's a punk or whatever. Uh, What's his name? Fuck you. What's the bad guy called? Mansell. Mansell. Clement Mansell. Clement. He's arguing with his girlfriend because she's like sold the painting because she wants the money to leave or whatever. Go to Aruba. Um, she wants to go. I. I, for life, man, I can't understand why Arubas are like, gotta go here. Oh, again, it's like I keep saying, like, do, do they, are they like trying to live there? Are they going to stay there for an extended time? Or is this all for like a week long vacation? Then you just got to come back to living in Detroit and being like, you know, weird con artists again. <laughs> weird grifters. But Raylan rolls up and he's like, listen, here's the deal. Why not? Come on. We all know. And she basically is like, I thought this was an interesting scene because she seems to imply, well, both, I mean, it's, it's tough because on the one hand, she seems to imply that. She's like mostly stays with him because she's scared. Because mm-hmm. she says she would never testify against him unless she could. They could like be certain he wouldn't wasn't going to get out because obviously she'd be worried about him coming to hurt her. Then yeah. Uh, but then on the other hand, she also is just like, well, he's also just fun. <laughs> so who cares? Like I just I don't know how to feel about the, this character personally. Yeah, she's she's a bit a bit back and forth because yeah, on one hand she's like, yeah, I didn't testify last time because I was afraid he was going to get off, and then he did. So I like kind of saved myself there. So I'm definitely not gonna do that again. And now we hang out and have fun all the time. Yeah. Now it is horribly unhinged things and kills people I know. Yeah. Like she's never killed anyone, but she's seems to be quite the active participant in a number of his scams here, right? Yeah. You know? With the Albanian guy and stuff. That was pretty rough. Um and then yeah, Menzel breaks into her house. That's no good. He tells a story about the time he murdered his mom, maybe. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah, he's like, Yeah, my mom was a whore, so I killed her with a gun. And I buried her. Or did her I? Or did or she take him up by a tornado? Ooh. It's like, <laughs> fucking maniac. Get out of here. Why do you do this stuff? Uh, so then, uh, what's her name goes back to like the Albanian guy and is like, hey, don't you still like me? No hard feelings, right? And he's like, yes, yeah, hard feelings. Very much yeah. so, actually. Yeah. I'll never walk <laughs> again. My leg is no, we're destroyed. Not. <laughs> yeah, well, no, we're, we aren't cool, actually. <laughs> You're a dead woman. You should not have you, come here. You gotta go. <laughs> so, you know, she's kind of she's running low on options. Then she gets desperate and she's like, "I'll just, I'll just leave with all my stuff and try to flee to 
forever myself. There's a very uncomfortable sex scene uh, where he more or less forces himself on her. That's yeah. that's sick. Love to see it. Just if, just in case we weren't sure he was a real piece just of the shit. the worst yet. guy who ever lived. A real wild man. Uh, then Raylan, Raylan and work. And he's like, oh, this come on. Oh, yeah. Well, that's when he gets the gun. And he's like, walks in and he's like, what's going on? No, well, before like, that. He, oh, right. Before that. Before that, he gives her the gun. He's like sneakily gives the redhead detective lady the gun. He's like, hey, keep this on the down low. Maybe, you know, use this. Uh, we can, you know, get him. Freaking catch the guy. And she's like, yeah, I got you. Sick. No problem. Don't even worry about it. I am not <laughs> and corrupt. Then he, <laughs> and then he comes in the next day and they got that like the homeless guy that they caught in the very first episode or second at whatever it was right yeah. early on. They were like, well, this guy was here, but he doesn't seem to actually be a factor. She's brought him back in and it's like doing like I'm making a murderer to him, right? It's yeah. like you killed him, didn't you? you? Used his gun, then you did this, didn't you? Didn't you? And he's like, I, I don't know. I'm really <laughs> I don't know about all this. Really not good. <laughs> She's like, you definitely did it. Very uncomfortable scene. She's like, I think my lawyer goes, you don't need your lawyer because you know the cops hate when you bring your lawyer. Oh yeah, they don't, they don't want that. They don't want that. Which yeah, I found quite upsetting. Obviously, it was intentional, but this whole interrogation scene where they're just. She's just yelling and being like, you did it all, didn't you? You raped her and killed her and this and that. And he's like, I, I don't know that I did. <laughs> I smoked a bunch of PCP and you burn with that cigarette, you fucking junkie. And he's like, what? What's going on? And he's like, well, I did. I did have some PCP. So, <laughs> but I can't guy have some PCP. Come on. But yeah, it's, it's fucked up. And clearly, you know, based off of like what we knew about her from earlier in the season and stuff, she's, well, she's like ambitious, right? She's clearly seeing this as like a, Moving up opportunity. Yeah, it's like a moving up win kind of thing for uh for her own career. You know, at the you know, this the small price of like a innocent man's freedom, right? Small price to pay, don't you think? Yeah. And, and then when like she pops out, Raylan's like, Are you in her book too? Like what are you, is everyone in, her, in that judge's book? And then he, and mm-hmm. the other guy, like the beard guy's kind of been a, who's been a kind of a fuckhead the whole season. He's like, Are you just an asshole or are you in on this too? Like, what's what's your deal, bro? And they both kind of walk away. And he's like, damn it, I got punked. Ah, oh. Manzel gets her, uh, or he's like, where are you going? You, you trying to leave? And she's like, uh, maybe. No, I'm just like, well, to... you've got all my money, so. And all your stuff. <laughs> Feels like you're leaving. Um, the other guy comes out in the parking garage. I thought this was an interesting scene. Because he goes, he does this whole speech where he's like, listen, have I seen in my day a couple of guys get, get framed a little bit with a little bit of evidence, maybe, you know? Little bit of planting some drugs on some unsuspecting perps. Maybe. Listen, do I feel bad about it? Almost never. <laughs> never. But because it's other crimes we didn't get them for. So it all kind of bounces out. If that and makes listen, if that makes me an asshole, I, so be it. It's like, yeah, man, that does. <laughs> don't like and cops. Listen, and listen, do I think to myself, well, they didn't really do it? Yes. But I think I know and I think they know too. And this is how I sleep at night. <laughs> Is that I think we all know why they're really in there, right? And so it's all fine, all right? But even then, this guy literally just didn't do anything. So, yeah, here you go. Here's, the gun. Here's, the gun. Here's this gun you can use. It's like, this even, this even, this one seems off even to me. Yeah. So, uh, I really thought Raylan was just going to punch him in the face. I was like, <laughs> I didn't know where he was going with it at first. Yeah. Because I thought he was trying, which is, I guess, the point of the scene. But I thought he was trying to just be like, listen, Raylan, get over it, all right? <laughs> sometimes we frame, sometimes we frame people, okay? Sure, you're a marshal, so you, you're kind of in a different area and probably could prosecute us. Ooh, so what? Get out of here. Would you stop being such a bait? But even he's like, listen, she's gone too far. 
<laughs> this is no good. Um. So then Raylan gets uh. What the hell? What the, what is the girlfriend's name? Sandy. Sandy. Yeah. He's like he's there at the airport weather, and he's like, all right, I'll take care of this. So then they set up a meeting. Except uh, Caroline's in on it, and she's she's upset. She's out for revenge, right? And so she's working with the Albanians, and she's like, "Well, you guys ought to get there too and fuck them up." He's like, "Don't even don't so worry about it. We'll be there." So they show up. We have a bit of a Mexican standoff where Raylan and Clemens have like a meeting, and then uh, the Albanians show and bust it up, and then that's where it ends. They take them off in scary black sedans, and whatever. they dump the gun in the river, and then they dump the gun in the river. So now, like. I, I guess the implication there, right, for for us is that, like, well, we can't get him legitimately. So it seems likely that in the next episode here, uh, it's just going to come to blows in some form or fashion. Yeah, someone's going to. And they have a nice, they have a fun conversation where Owen's like, Why it do, we'll do a duel right now. He's like, we're just going to do a gunfight. He's like, you want a gunfight? I'll gunfight you. I don't give a shit. Right here in the bar, gun- up on the roof, in the street, wherever you want, baby. I've gun fi- I've gun fought so many men. You know how many gunfights I've been in? I, I was so in a many. gunfight in the street after getting hit by a car, and I still won. I shoot lots of people. <laughs> I love it's kind of my thing. And I'm the best cop in this show. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I shoot lots of people. But I'm justified. They deserve I'm it. Justified. It's justified city primeval. I'm justified. And I'm in this primeval city. <laughs> God. Don't you get it? And in the Oklahoma City Wild Man. Classic. But yeah, so I mean, we we knew those building doors just though, right? Absolutely. We gotta have a gunfight. We gotta have the gunfight. <laughs> We're gonna have a du- a duel of some kind. So in the next episode here, I'm sure circumstances will precipitate for a duel. We have uh, Raylan and Carolyn cross the line. Raylan attempts to make it out of Detroit alive. So there it is. And then I assume at some point at the end of the then at the end when Raylan gets home, he gets to be like, "Daughter, I'm sorry, I've let you down," and they'll have a tearful reunion of some kind. He goes, "I, I killed that man, but I was justified." <laughs> I was just a, like, honey, that man. Honey, that man was bothering you. I killed him. Shot him I dead, did. but I was justified. I was justified. I was mighty justified. Detroit, that t- I was. Detroit is horrible. He was from Oklahoma City. So we really should have brought him there tactically and prosecuted him. He was a wild man. He was too wild. So I shot him dead, honey. I'm sorry. I shot, I shot him dead. Dad, what are you talking about? What's going on? He's just like weeping. <laughs> I shot him dead. <laughs> Did we talk about how that's his actual daughter? Yeah, we did. That's interesting. I didn't know, but good for her. Good for her. Get so nice have a nice hug. I, I assume this can happen, or maybe she'll just hate him forever. <laughs> maybe over something very over, over a very rational decision for a father to make. <laughs> the most well, rational decision. Uh, uh, the Oklahoma City wild man is being wild. Probably should get my daughter out of here. I think the only the only like vaguely unrational part of it was how long he waited to do so. Frankly, <laughs> yeah. But then even but even when the most unrational thing when like he showed up. He was like, nah, I probably should go, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, very simple. Yeah. She's like, I love walking around Detroit bored out of my mind. <laughs> wandering the streets of Detroit buying off-brand watches from people. Great stuff. Wonderful stuff. Where do we think... Wh- what do you think uh, Raylan and Carolyn's relationship's going to resolve in? Probably better like, ah, well, I'm going to go back to my place and you stay here, huh? <laughs> yeah, probably. She's my... Maybe she'll be a judge. Maybe she'll be a judge. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'll be a judge something. Maybe she'll go to Florida with him, maybe. Maybe. Pick up and move, because he's got nothing left in there, and Detroit's a horrible I'm place. S- I'm sick of this city primeval. <laughs> Let's go to somewhere better. Miami, Florida. <laughs> I know I know nah. a paradise way better than Detroit, Michigan. Miami, Florida, where I shoot people <laughs> all the time. I've shot so many men in Miami. But I'm justified. I'm only justified. Don't you get it? Don't you get it? I used to dig oh, coal with my friend Boyd. 
he's in prison now. For, I put him there. <laughs> I should have killed him. Right. He's lucky I didn't shoot him. I did shoot him. Well, I did shoot him, but he didn't die. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't, didn't shoot to kill. I was justified though. I was justified that time as well. I was justified. Please, I killed. <laughs> I would have killed Sam Elliott too, but Boyd got to him first. But Boyd was probably justified. I'd have shot Sam Elliott too, but I would have been justified. I would have been. I would have been. Don't die for a second. Small. I was justified. If I shot you, would be justified. I could shoot anyone. <laughs> Bro, what's going um, on with you, man? Classic stuff. Propaganda. So there is. We got. See, I mean, like, it's it's clearly trying to be something, though, right? By being like, look, the cops suck. Don't you think? Yeah. It, it is. Doing it crazy? I definitely see it, but it's it's too... feels too back and forth, but they're like, the cops are bad, we shouldn't do evidence planning, but the marshal is going to shoot a guy, so... Ah, yeah. oh, this guy's pretty crazy, though. Like, you know, he's literally like a cartoon, cartoon. like, villain of a, of a person, right? He's not like it a real-life criminal. It is the Oklahoma City wild man. He's like, yeah, he's not like a, oh, this guy was just, like... A victim of his circumstances, and he turned to crime because of X or Y reason, right? Because l- l- society, right? This guy's just mm-hmm. like, I'm fucking crazy. I love killing people. I'll do it. I'll steal a painting. I don't care from David Cross. I'll threaten his life. I love it. I shoot I people can't. just for fun. Don't you get it? I did a drug bust and then so. killed my partners and everyone else in that room except for one guy. Yeah. So, like, you know, I think in that way, he's, uh, you know, well, Jack, I, I hate to say it, but he's justified. <laughs> he's just, I mean, he is justified. So, I think it's all right. But I mean, again, that is what Copagana does, I guess, is like, with all these shows, is like, look, there's criminals everywhere. The only the only thing standing between a, a tenuous peace and a world of chaos is the police. Is some <laughs> no. weird mythology of a gunslinging cowboy. Yeah, but hey, you know, that's okay, I guess. Boomer's got to watch something, right? That's right. <laughs> Boomers get TV too. Yeah, know? they they get TV too. They get a thousand cop shows and two firefighter shows, and they get that's 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 the fucking boomer expanded universe. There, yes. that's the boomer cinematic. Whenever universe. you get like, like Chicago PD and Chicago Fire, like when they do like a combo event, yeah, it's like yeah, holy yeah. shit! This is their Christ on infinite earths. <laughs> exactly. You get Chicago Med in there. Oh my god! This fucking, you're gonna need it with all the fire and police you've got. Chicago Animal Control or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Chicago Gun Chicago. Salesman. It's Chicago. They probably have that, a lot of that. <laughs> Chicago, like, sanitation, you know? <laughs> Chicago, just administrative. Just the, just the records. Just town hall. <laughs> <laughs> just sh- Chicago secretarial, I guess. <laughs> secretarial. The Chicago franchise. What actually is contained? Chicago Fire, Chicago PB, Chicago Med, and Chicago Justice. Justice? <laughs> They've also crossed over with Law & Order Special Victims Union. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. All series in total amount to 623 episodes across 30 seasons of television. Oh, oh lord. It's too, much, too many. That's so much propaganda. They're not even done. Chicago PD's been renewed for an 8th, 9th, and 10th season. Oh, crap. No. No, no, those, those have already aired. Oh, thank god. We are renewed for 11, though. Don't you even worry about that. Oh, 11's coming through this fall, I bet. <laughs> Someone's racing through us rejoicing. <laughs> That's actually that was actually one of the plot lines. I like watching my mom watching one episode of it, and it was about how like the one black cop called out some other cop for being racist, so then the rest of the cops are being racist to him further. <laughs> being like, "Why are you calling out our racism? We're going to be so racist to you. Oh We're going to try to intimidate you into silence." Like they all showed up to his house at night with like their lights and sirens to piss him off, and I was like, "Jesus, this is upsetting." How did that resolve? I don't know. 
I don't know, huh. Jack. I think did they kill him. <laughs> I, I hope not. Did they that poor man? I oh gosh, wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, you never know. Chicago, well, one of our finer cities. Uh, <laughs> In what sense? Ooh, I don't know. If you do, if you do, if you decide violent crime is a finer aspect to a city, no finer place than Chicago. Oh, St. Louis. Hey, St. Louis is a great place <laughs> for violent crime. Um, you know, it's comparable to like you know many like you know developing nations in South America for crime wise. Oh yeah, South Sudan <laughs> even. Ooh, well, probably probably less than that. Yeah, but not too oh, far out. So. Closer than you'd want. Yeah, well, certainly closer than you'd want. Yeah, St. Louis is worse for murder, and then Baltimore, then Detroit. Oh, oh no, Jack, if we're going murder, Chicago's way down 14. Don't even worry about oh, it. Oh, thank goodness. You're way worse off in St. Louis. <laughs> it's three times as bad in three St. Louis. Three times? What's number it's one? Is Baltimore number one? or St. Louis is number oh, one. St. Louis is number one. Where's Detroit rank up? Three. Ooh. But it's a pretty stark drop. They have so uh, yeah, per one hundred thousand people, they have sixty six murders per year. Damn, uh, St. Louis, Maryland has fifty five. Detroit has thirty nine. So it, it starts to drop off pretty quick. Yeah. And then Chicago only has eighteen. Jack, I mean, um, easily eighteen murders a year. Where's Buffalo? We'll see. But Buffalo's at fifteen point six. So like it's Jack. It's that's within spitting distance of of that. Frankly, if we're gonna call a spade, hey, a spade we're growing you know, city. Soon we'll be good as St. Louis. <laughs> Oh, geez. We're closer to Chicago than Chicago is to St. Louis, so... Ah, classic. When you get Teddy into robbery, Carjacking. it's Baltimore, Cleveland, Oakland. Oakland. Oakland? Ooh. Slept on. Oh, New Orleans is way up there for rape. That's tough. Oh. That's, oh, geez. That's no good. Oh, geez. Okay, then total is Albuquerque. Just really? yet up all the crimes. Yeah, yeah. Violent crimes and property crimes. God. Albuquerque. Guess, oh, right. Property crime. Can't forget that. Then Memphis, then St. Louis. Ah, great. <laughs> See, Memphis. God, we're, good thing we're still a country. You know, we all got our, you know, blemishes, Jack, all right? Blemishes? These are well, bibs of honor. <laughs> and there God, it is. Good thing we got good good men like Raylan Givens out there holding the line, you know, protecting us all from the... The tyrannies of evil. From right? the primeval cities, you know? Yeah. <laughs> From the Oklahoma City wild men. But not even really, because he can't really do that much. No, no. He's done largely nothing, and that man has gone on a terror spree. Ah, <laughs> uh, great. Great. So, all right. We got done here. Does it? Yeah. So, I could take it in the end there. As always, thanks so much for listening. Oh, excuse me. So, you can find us wherever you listen to your podcast every week. On social media, you can find us on Twitter or X. At Akatech Jazz, it's Akatech J A Z. Find us on Instagram at The Akatech Podcast and on Gmail at Akatech Jazz at gmail.com. Our intro was done by a friend of the show, Taylor Salt. You can always find him on Instagram, SoundCloud, and Spotify with his various musical projects. I believe he has an EP that's come out or coming out next week. Um, so look out for that. We'll probably shout out again because I'll probably know more exact details next week. Uh, our logo is my friend of the show, Jeffrey Gonzalez. You can always find him at inkocean.jpg on Instagram or on Redbubble. And as always, we wrote it, we produced it, we built all the sets. Say goodnight to the people, Zach. Good night. Good night and Godspeed.